Chapter Thirteen of Ruth's Fielding of the Red Mill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonali Punja. Ruth's Fielding of the Red Mill, or Jasper Palo's Secret, by Alice B. Emerson. Chapter Thirteen. Butter and buttercups such little keepsakes as remained of her father and mother their photographs a thin old bracelet her mother's wedding ring her father's battered silver watch had fortunately been in ruth's bag those keepsakes had been too precious to risk in the trunk and in the baggage car and how glad the girl was now that she had thus treasured these things but the loss of the trunk with all her clothing common though that clothing had been was a disaster that ruth could not easily get over she cried herself to sleep that night and in the morning came down with a woebegone face indeed uncle jabez did not notice her and even aunt alvira did not comment upon her swollen eyes and tear-streaked countenance but the old woman if anything was kinder than ever to her it was saturday and butter day uncle jabez owned one cow and since ruth had come to the mill it was her work twice a week to churn the butter the churn was a stone crock with a wooden dasher and ruth had just emptied in the thick cream when helen cameron ran in oh ruth she cried you are always busy especially if i chance to want you at all particularly if you will be drawn yourself helen you must expect to be always hunting company laughed ruth just what is troubling miss cameron at present we are going to dress the cove chapel for to-morrow you know i told you our guild attends to the decoration of the chapel and i've just set my heart on making a great pillow of buttercups the fields are full of them, and Tom says he'll help. Now you'll come, won't you? If I come for buttercups, it will have to be after the butter comes, returned Ruth, laughing. She had just begun to beat the dasher up and down, and little particles of cream sprayed up through the hole in the cover of the jar around the handle of the dasher. Helen looked on with growing interest and is that the way to make butter she asked and the cream's almost white our butter is yellow golden just as golden as the buttercups do you colour it not at this time of year i used to help miss true make butter she had a cow she said i was a good butter maker you see it's all in the washing after the butter comes you wait and see but i want to pick buttercups and tom is waiting down by the bridge can't help it butter before buttercups declared ruth keeping the dasher steadily at work and then aunt alvira may want me for something else before dinner we've got dinner with us or oh, tom has at least babette put us up a basket of lunch oh a picnic cried ruth flushing with pleasure this visit had driven out of her mind for the time at least her trouble of overnight 
I am going to ask Aunt Alviry for you, went on Helen, and skipped away to find the little old woman who, despite the drawback of her back and her bones, was a very neat and particular housekeeper. She was back in a few moments. She says you can go just as soon as you get the butter made. Now hurry up and let us get into the buttercup field, which is a whole lot nicer than the butter churn. And, oh, it smells much nicer too. Why, Ruth, that cream actually smells sour. I expect it is sour, laughed her friend. Didn't you know that sweet butter comes from sour cream? And that most nice things are the result of hard work? The sweet from the bitter, you know. My, how philosophical we are this morning. Isn't that butter ever coming? Impatience. Didn't you ever have to wait for anything you wanted in your life? Why, I've got to wait till next fall, before I go to Prayerwood Hall. That's a rhyme, Ruthie. It's been singing itself over and over in my mind for days. I'm really going to boarding school in the autumn. It's decided. Tom is going to the military academy on the other side of Osago Lake. He'll be within ten miles of Brerwood. Ruth's face had lost its brightness as Helen said this. The word school had brought again to the girl's mind her own unfortunate position and Uncle Jabez's unkindness. I hope you'll have a delightful time at Brerwood. Ruth said softly. I expect I shall miss you dreadfully. Oh, suppose the ogre should send you to school there too, cried Helen with clasped hands. Wouldn't that be splendid? That would be beyond all imagination, said Ruth, shaking her head. I, I don't know that I shall be able to attend the balance of the term here. Why not? demanded Helen. Won't he let you? He has said I could. Ruth could say no more just then. She hid her face from her friend, but made believe that it was the butter that occupied her attention. The dasher began to slap, slap, slap suggestively in the churn, and little particles of beaten cream began to gather on the handle of the dasher. Oh, cried Helen, it's getting hard. The butter's coming. Now a little cold water to help separate it, and then you shall have a most delicious glass of buttermilk. No, thank you, cried Helen. They say it's good for one to drink it, but I never do like anything that's good for me. Give it to me, Ruth, interposed another voice, and Tom put a smiling face around the corner of the well. I thought you were never coming, Miss Flyaway, he said to his sister. Butter before buttercups, young man, responded Helen primly. We must wait for Ruth to, er, uh, wash the butter, is it? Yes, said her friend seriously, opening the churn and beginning to ladle out the now yellow butter into a wooden bowl. May I assist at the butter's toilet? queried Tom, grinning. You may sit down and watch, said the sister in a tone intended to quell any undue levity on her brother's part. Ruth had rolled her sleeves above her elbows, so displaying her pretty plump arms, and now worked and worked the butter in cold water right from the north side of the well 
as though she were kneading bread. First, she had poured Tom a pitcher of the fresh buttermilk and given him a glass. Even Helen tasted a little of the tart drink. Oh, it's ever so nice, I suppose, she said with a little grimace. But I much prefer my milk sweet. Again and again Ruth poured off the milky water and ran fresh cold water upon her butter until no amount of kneading and washing would subtract another particle of milk from the yellow ball. The water was perfectly clear. Now I'll salt it, she said, and put it away until this afternoon. Then I'll work it again and put it down in the butter jar. When I grow up and get rich, I'm going to have a great big dairy with a herd of registered cattle, and I'm going to make all the butter myself. And Tom's going to raise horses. He's going to own a stock farm, so he says. You'd better combine interests, said Helen with some scorn. I like horses to ride and butter to eat. But, well, I prefer buttercups just now. Hurry up, Miss Slowpoke. We'll never get enough flowers for a pillow. So Ruth cleaned her face, taking a peep into the glass in the kitchen to make sure before going out to her friends. Tom looked at her with plain approval, and Helen jumped up to squeeze her again. No wonder Aunt Alvira calls you pretty creature, she whispered in Ruth's ear, for that's what you are. Then to Tom, now, young man, have you the lunch basket? What there is left of it is in charge of Reno down at the bridge, he replied coolly. They found the huge mastiff lying with the napkin-covered basket between his forepaws on the grass by the waterside. Reno was growling warningly and had his eyes fixed upon a figure leaning upon the bridge railing. That there dog don't seem to take to me, drawled Jasper Pallow, who was the person on the bridge. He didn't be afraid. I wouldn't touch the basket. You won't be likely to touch it while Reno has charge of it, said Tom quietly, while the girls passed on swiftly. Neither Ruth nor Helen liked to have anything to do with Pallow. When Tom released Reno from his watch and ward, the dog trotted after Ruth and put his nose into her hand. Ye been up to the mill, have ye? queried Pallow, eyeing Tom Cameron aslant. Ye ought to be great friends with Jay Potter. Oh, has he squared himself with ye? Say, Mr. Pallow, said Tom sharply, you've been hinting something about the miller every time you've seen me lately. Only since you was knocked down that bank into the gully, and yer arm and head hurt. There weren't nothing about Jabe to interest you afore that, returned Pallow quickly. Tom flushed suddenly, and he looked at the old fellow with new interest. Just what do you mean? he asked slowly. Ye know well enough. Your dad, Tom Cameron, is mighty riled up over your being hurt. I heard him say that he'd give a ten-dollar note to know who it was drove by ye that night and crowded ye into the ditch. 
would you give more than that not to have it known who done it what do you mean exclaimed tom angrily i guess ye like this here gal that's gone to live on jabez purty well don't ye you and yer sister croaked old pallow well if your dad and the miller gits into a row comes to a clitch as ye might say you and your sister won't be let to have much to do with ruth eh now i don't know that that's so tom said doggedly oh yes ye do think it over old jabe will put his foot right down and he will stop ruth having anything to do with ye ye know it well now think it over i got a conscience i have pursued pallow cringing and rubbing his hands together his sly little eyes sparkling i really feel as though i'd oughter tell your dad who it was almost run ye down that night and made ye fall into the gully you mean you'd like to handle dad ten dollars cried tom angrily pallow smirked and still rubbed his hands together don't matter might whose ten dollars i handle he said suggestively your ten dollars would be just as welcome to me as your dad's master cameron ten dollars is a lot of money said tom yes it's right smart i could make use of it i'm a poor man and i could use it nicely admitted the sly and furtive pallow i haven't so much money now growled the boy you can get it i warrant i suppose i can he drew his purse from his pocket i've got three dollars and a half here i'll have the rest for you on monday quite correct said jasper pallow clutching eagerly at the money i'll trust ye till then oh yes i'll trust ye till then End of chapter 13